guys. Welcome to the second season of Young and Limitless. And my amazing guests today are Graham and Jennifer, and they are from Athena Herd. So a couple of weeks ago, over half term, I did some training with them. I overcame my fear of horses and I learned how amazing horses and pets are for increasing our well-being. So Graham and Jennifer are going to share some tips and techniques for how we can be with our pets and how they can help us to reduce stress, anxiety, to have some somebody who can teach us unconditional love and compassion. Um, I call them somebody, but the pets, you know. Um, so, yeah, so they are from Athena Herd. Athena Herd is a place where horses and alpacas can roam naturally. So they are able to eat when they want and they go in and come out of like bonds when they want so they're free completely free so as they are in the best place for them when people go and visit them they benefit from the well-being of being with animals which are healthy and happy and whole so guys enjoy listening to what jennifer and graham have to say hi there esther nice to see you again hi esther <laughs> <laughs> so how old were you when you first had your first pets? Yeah, so uh, gosh, we had a little Yorkshire Terrier, I think, as a, as a family member while I was growing up. So a uh, very young age. So we have a family myth that there were boxes in the house when I, when I was born, although I never remember them. Um, but I selected a German Shepherd when I was about six or seven. I really, felt, I really wanted a German Shepherd. Uh, what did you call him? Okay. Uh, it was her, and she was called. Um, my father named her because that's what happened in our house. Um, <laughs> and she was called Spry. Oh, so how mm -hmm. long did you have her for? Oh. Sorry, how long did you have her for? <sighs> She lasted a long time for a German Shepherd, actually. So I think she was about fourteen. I think when she passed away, bless her. So you grew up with her. Yeah. Both of you grew up with dogs. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, definitely. And, my, and, and in our, we, we have a little boy, uh, Thomas is eight, and uh, we had dogs before he was born, so he's very much grown up with, with dogs, cats, and, uh, and all of the other animals uh, pretty much since birth as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely very animal uh, people, aren't we, Graham? Definitely. <laughs> so you started off loving animals as pets, and now you work. How, tell us more about how, where you work. Yeah, go. Okay. Um, so essentially, the home base is, is Jennifer's home as well, which is Athena Herd, which is just outside Paddock Wood um, in Kent. And so basically, I mean, Jennifer will tell you about her horses in a second, but, but I work with her here providing training for people who come who want to learn essentially the same skills and develop the skills that you experienced at Elysian a couple of weeks ago around equine facilitated learning. And my horse lives here as well, my horse Ernie. Okay. So yeah, so as Graham said, um, we're now called Athena Hood. Um, we've been at this property for around six years now, but our journey um, it has very much been a lifestyle journey. It was it was really driven by our animals. It, it's quite interesting because we had two cats and we lived in central London and myself and my husband at that point decided that, you know, we, we wanted the best for our two cats. So we basically <laughs> moved home um, 
every year with every animal edition and um, that led to being here where we are now um, when we started to acquire horses. So we, we got two and a half horses, a half being a Falabella, uh, which is a miniature horse from Argentina. And, um, you know, it was really tricky for us managing that work, um, work and lifestyle balance and, and looking after our animals, really. So that's why we moved here. We've got 17 acres, which is quite a, you know, a, a decent size uh, amount of land. And, um, and, and we just love being around the animals. And I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit um, later. But what's really interesting is our journey has really been focused on the health and well-being of the animals, um, particularly the horses, um, which is really why we work quite a lot in the equine facilitated learning space. Ooh. So you've mentioned cats and dogs and horses. So for the young people and their families listening, they probably they might have a horse, but they've probably got a, a cat and a dog or a bird you know anything they can stroke maybe not fish <laughs> so how can how can you adapt um what you what you taught me last couple of weeks ago so they can um benefit from being around their cat or their dog yeah, yeah. so i i think the, the the benefit of being around animals first of all come come simply um, there, there are many fold, but I think that the easy way in is, is the non-judgmental relationship that goes on. Mm-hmm. So there, there are things that essentially interactively are, are permissible, if you like, between a human and an animal. That with a, when, 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 when the, the same thing comes to us from another human being, we tend to judge it or we tend to take it personally or we tend to feel a bit territorial about something. Whereas with an animal, we're much more relaxed about stuff. Um, Animals give us an opportunity to reach out and care for something. So when we are looking after and when we are nurturing our pets, there's something about connecting with the best possible version of ourselves. There's a lot of compassion in that space with which you reach out to us. So the what the what the time we spend with our animals gives us is positive emotion. Ooh. I read somewhere that when you stroke a cat with a dog or a horse, it can like like lower your blood pressure and and your stress hormones and because you taught me how to hug a horse and I was like I've never, I was so scared of them and I just thought <laughs> I just thought oh as I relaxed the horse relaxed yeah. and then I relaxed yeah. more and then I, I just call it horse sedation it was just like I was so relaxed so can you do oh, that with a bit a big thing so what what actually happened so one of, one of the things that happens when we touch each other as human beings, you know, from the from, from the first from the moment that a mother touches her baby, it produces oxytocin in the mother and it produces oxytocin in the baby, and it's that oxytocin which creates the bond. It, 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 otherwise, we'd be more defensive with each other, but that oxytocin reduces the conflict. This is why you feel that stress level reduce okay. when you stroke your pets or when you go hug a horse or something like that. And so what happens is you get this natural lowering. The oxytocin will take stress hormones out of the body, so you get just a general relaxing and a calming of the body. And then, as as, as I think we did with you, um, is that we really basically said, okay, actually, just 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 connect with the feeling. Don't don't think about the horse. What does it feel like? What is it? What is it? What is it? What does its fur feel like? What does its hair coat feel like? And just and just using touch. 
is a simple way to connect or to, to busy the mind to stop it worrying about this giant horse. <laughs> and then as, as you focus, you let go of some of that stress, that some of that anxiety. And then as you've actually touched, the natural reaction of touch kicks in as well. So it is a little bit like you described. First, you feel yourself calm down because you stop worrying because you're thinking about what it touches, what it feels like. And then you relax again because you get that oxytocin that comes from the touch and the bond of connection. Yeah, lovely, because, to, you know, unfortunately, we're in the second lockdown. People can't touch. Young people can't. You know, all the hugs and all the normal interactions. But mm. a cat, a dog, a pet is just happy. And we can, you know, we can hug them as much as we want and yeah. have that just you're right it's not even thinking too much it's just just a, it looks like nothing doesn't it? look like the simplest act in the world but mm. it's so deep and powerful mm. you know if you're sitting at home in the evening and you're stroking your cat on your lap mm -hmm. you're not thinking about that meeting you've got to do tomorrow okay. you're not thinking about that essay you've got to get up early and write yeah. you're just thinking about how nice it is to stroke the cat yeah so with kids with um, special needs or mental health challenges then um, stroking an animal can be like a like a double benefit like you said so not only do you calm down but you get the release of the nice um, oxytocin mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but are there yeah. any other benefits yeah I, I think the other one is, is, is what we all call the self-regulation um, and obviously that that is just really simply controlling one's behavior emotions and thoughts um and you know then we sort of get into the realms of the the emotional self-regulations so that helps us to just just manage our stress to manage our anxiety um and 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 really that that is quite important as well when when we're thinking about um our animals and just you know really simplistically i think when i talked about um, as a family, our lifestyle choice. My my husband's from South Africa. He was in the South African Army, um, and and myself. I I work. You know, I've worked in London, quite stressful environments. So, you know, we almost didn't realise that that our lifestyle choice, being around animals, was just really helping us as a family to to self-regulate to to um you know to help bring us down sometimes from our stressful lives or anxiety our worries um, and and that's almost become a lifestyle choice for us as a family so you know just just having having an immersion in animals you know just just really helps with that so i can you know i can see why it's so beneficial for for some of the children and, and particularly the children that you guys work with at Elysian. Yeah, so it's what's really nice is that you taught us to just wait and wait for the animals to come to us. And I mm -hmm. think that when you're at home, that often happens in the cats and dogs, our pets know that when we are feeling stressed, anxious, or just, you know, our, we're not in a, the happiest state we could be. And they are very good at cuddling and, and nuzzling and like helping us to be in the moment. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. They're, they're very intuitive, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's social. I think the thing that we we forget is that our cats and our dogs are social animals, mm. as are our, as our horses, and they are used to company. Okay. You know, so particularly, you know, particularly with something like a horse, a horse on its own is a horse threatened. Oh. 
You know, a, 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 a big mm. part of a horse's safety routine is what it gathers or what it gains from being as part of a herd. Wow. So it's really important. And so um, animals, we, we, we sort of, we don't give animals the credit they deserve for their sentience and their awareness of where they are. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're right because um, so there's loads of studies where dogs have managed to pick up people's um, before they have, a, have an epileptic fit or yeah. a heart attack and stuff like that. So yeah, we don't. So how can we value our animals some more then? How can we treat them, you know, in the best way? Yeah, I, I think again, I think it, it depends obviously on their environment, but it but really for me it's about making sure that their needs are met. You know, we're 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 all really good at, you know, maybe picking an animal up and hugging it, but maybe it just doesn't want that hug right now, you know. So it's 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 just recognizing that they they're a living being themselves, as Graham said, essentially being. And yes, you know, they give us a lot and they can be very loyal and often want to sit on our laps uh not always the horses but some of my horses actually would love to sit on your lap uh which is always quite interesting you wouldn't have a lap <laughs> but, but it's just about recognizing their need for you know their need for food their need for rest their need for sleep um you know and and, and just really being respectful i think as well of, of their needs i think for me that's the big takeaway so how would you um so when you were younger, like, did, did you tell, because I think I think most people do this. I definitely did this. My sister did this. So we talked to our pets. They were our confidant. We told them everything in the world. So <laughs> did, did you guys do the same? Um, I'm sure that's why I wanted it. I'm sure that when I chose the dog that I had, it was certainly, it was certainly an aspiration to have a confidant. Um, yeah. I mean, I was an only child as well. So actually, I really, I really needed someone. Mm. Um, I can't actually remember telling a dog anything, no. but <laughs> I suspect I probably did. Yeah. <laughs> I suspect I probably did. The other good thing because when you're on your own, you're playing. Playing is really important, isn't it? Yeah. Like playing with an animal and just having fun, just for fun's yeah. sake. And yeah. I'll actually do Again, that. Again, it's, like, it's, like, it's like we were saying, what happens when you're with your pet? Mm. And when you're with your pet is we engage with the mo the best version of ourselves. It's that positive. It's that we're, we're connecting with the, the social resources, the compassionate resources that we carry within us. And I, did, I think it's really important because as people, particularly, particularly, you know, if, if we're brought up in a troubled environment or a challenging environment, we don't get that affection. We don't get that space without judgment. We don't get that compassion from others. So being able to have being able to share that with an animal helps us to gain some of the resources that we will or access some of the resources that sometimes human contact doesn't doesn't afford us. Mm. Mm. So did you talk to your pets? new little Jennifer. I don't know, maybe it's a girl thing then. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I talk to them quite a lot now, actually. I think one day I went out, I was talking to the horses and Graham thought I was talking to him. No, I, I do <laughs> I, I do talk to them, but actually it's more, uh, rather than a confidant, I would say it's more of a sort of conversation. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, I, I, you see, I, you see, I, I think it's because, because there's... There's a herd, and there's how many now? Uh, 40, 15. 15 yeah. now. There's 15 now living together. Horses, Horses yeah. is it? 
and and when you're basically obviously we, we have to clear we have you know we have to clear up after them you know what animals are like bless them so they're all living together you're always having to walk around in between them with hay bales and or, or a poop scoop or whatever it is and you do tend to just idly chat away to them in the same way yeah. that you would idly chat away to someone that you were working with and as a as a family now we have malamutes um we had five dogs we're down to three and actually malamutes are very very vocal and very misunderstood dogs um and and ours all the time comes over and is all woof 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 you know actors to the point that we're opening the door shutting the door letting her in letting her out you know she wants to come and sleep upstairs but she's quite old one of them's quite old now so she struggles to get up and down the stairs so we're having to help her up and down the stairs so you know, there's always an element of conversation, I would say, with our, with our animals. And we do try as a family to meet their needs, even though they're not able to say, this is what I want. You get a lot of feedback, a lot of verbalisation, but in their own way. So I guess in a way we're trying to do our best to interpret what it is they're asking from us. And I'm not necessarily saying we always get that right, but we're having a good guess, you know. I, I think there's something really important. So um, I have a cat who's really, for a cat, is unbelievably vocal. Mm. So she will always communicate when she comes in. She'll always let you know she's walking into the room. She'll always... And, and it, she is, she's very vocal for a cat. Anyway, the, the, the key bit is, and I think one of the things, and it just crossed my mind as Jennifer was talking, is that I think one of the things that our pets really appreciate from us is being heard. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, there's the fact that they know they've got a voice and they know that if they come and ask for something, if they come and seek something, that someone will go, okay, what is it you want, rather than go away or I'm watching telly now <laughs> or whatever that is. And, and I think there is, and I think, you know, people. if you just think about people, mm. you know, it, just people to pe- person to person sort of thing. If if a person's not going to listen to us, we stop talking. Mm. And so I think the fact that our, that our pets choose to vocalise with us, choose to engage and seek seek things from, actively seek things from us, is an acknowledgement as well that they know that they're being hurt. Yeah. And so, you know, in terms you said you said about what can we give our pets, one of the things what can we give our pets? One of the things we can give our pets is the acknowledgement that they're having heard. I think mm-hmm. that's yeah. I think that's really important for a social being's psychology. And I love that because that's what young people and children want too. So they can give it and they can receive it and it's very mutual yeah. then, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It was a bit like that mantra, I think, as well, with the, that we did while we were at Elysian. And I must say I I most days look at my horses and even my dog and I say yeah I see you what 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 can I do for you how are you today so I do generally make a point of telling our animals every day that I see them yeah and, and we, I'm listening so we, to so them. We see them we're acknowledging that we are also seen because they're non-verbally telling us they see us too aren't they mm. yeah um, one of the reasons that we do that little exercise that we did with it is it's based upon essentially the buddhist practice of metta which is love and kindness and it's a simple act of compassion of sharing mm. uh, not just sharing acknowledgement of someone's being but wishing well for someone and one of the really powerful things about that 
as an interaction is that um, not only does it make us feel good about, you know, we feel good because we share being kind to somebody, but what you learn as a practice as you, as you, as you, as you do that more and more is that you learn to see discomfort and suffering in others. So it's really powerful that you can start to see sometimes other people's behavior, not as antisocial, but as an expression of discomfort. Yeah, I love that. Growing, growing compassion and understanding. Yeah. yeah. And animals are much easier to learn compassion. It's really hard to be compassionate with other human beings, particularly the ones we find challenging. But it's really easy to do it with, with animals, oh, horses. Yeah and our pets and so really the more we can encourage people to, to to work with their pets and share compassion with their pets it's helping it's helping them to build the skills it's help, it's, it's no different to learning to play the piano or it's no different to learning to run a race it's we're just exercising the compassion muscle i remember being a little girl and playing with a cat and my mum telling me to come 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 you know it, it, like it was a waste of time but but it sounds like it's never a waste of time to pet an animal and to communicate with an animal. And it's some, sometimes as parents, you know, it doesn't get valued by the child sitting and quietly, you know, connecting and learning. One of the things we did as a, as a lesson was grounding. So I think when a child or anybody plays with an animal, you are somehow you're automatically that's happening. Can you tell us more about that? Grounding. Do you mean you mean generally? So I mean that can be done in different ways, but but obviously the idea really is that we're we're also task driven. You know, let's do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. And I think, you know, I'm sure Graham can add a bit to this, but for me, grounding is just really trying to say, just notice, just notice where you are today. Just notice that it's raining, that it's windy, that. You know, we're not just engrossed in that text or that Facebook message. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just getting us out of our heads and and back into almost nature, the environment, the the, the what's going on for us in that moment. And and just noticing are we cold, are we hot, are we hungry? Mm-hmm. And and that can really help us to just come out of our heads and, and be more aware, be more aware about ourselves. And it can bring you know, it, it can be quite a calming effect on us as well, which then helps us to move back into that self-regulation space that we were talking about earlier. I don't know, Graham, if you've got anything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, grounding is really, it's it's really important. It, it, it's, it's that quietening, it, it, it's that quietening of our existence in that moment. It's that, you know, it's the energy. So it's interesting. I was talking to someone uh, while we were outside this morning. And I just one of the things I remember when we were in the field at Elysium was being one of the horses who was not particularly that, not particularly that overly comfortable around being with men. But he was standing next to me. And I think I was with you. Yes. I think I was with you, Esther. And what was really interesting was that when I just stood with him, he relaxed. But every time I raised my energy to talk to you, he raised his energy and nipped my shoulder. Yeah. So that was really interesting. But then I would drop my energy and he would drop again. Mm. So um, I think it's we don't understand, we don't acknowledge how much of our energy pollutes the world around us. Mm. And 
we think as human beings that we don't really connect with it. You know, maybe just animals are sensitive, but as human beings, we're sensitive as well. And so I think it's about just being able to acknowledge this idea that there is an, an, an energy that we create around us, however you want to define that. It's not, it's not about being woo-woo. It's not about being weird about that. But there is, you know, we know that our emotional states are contagious. We know that empathy exists between people. We know we can write, drop or low our, our focus or our energy at a given time. So I think it's just about recognising. And I, there's every emotion that we experience is, a, is valid and appropriate and there's a time for it. But it's also about being able to step out of that. Yeah. And what grounding, like people who might do mindfulness or something like that, what the grounding exercise does is give you an opportunity to step out of the emotion. And that sometimes stepping out of the emotion is how we stop conflict happening or how we stop things escalating. Yeah. It's, for me, it's a very quick way to change my state of being because mm-hmm. um, it, it's so when, when I had the horse, it was just like magic. I don't know how else to describe it other than it was, I didn't have to do anything. It's not about me doing anything at all. The, the sense of being, and, and I think very much in the West, we are so like, like you said, task-driven, Jennifer, we're all in our heads. That we disconnect from the body mm. and we just like it's mm. so yeah, people call it centering there's lots of different words for it yeah but it's yeah it's nice to know that young people can do that in their house or in the garden you know nobody mm. needs to know what's happening and it just helps like increases their well-being exponentially mm. doesn't it without yeah. any money again it just it, it, it really does improve their well-being because in that moment again it's you're, you're you're letting the stress hormones out of your body. You're letting those stress hormones fade away, and the stress hormones don't do us when they when they're held on to and when they're sustained. Don't do good things to our body. No, no. So, um, but people could say like mindfulness or meditation, and those practices can be quite hard, and you have to be disciplined and blah. Yeah. But uh, stroking an animal, hugging an animal is just like it's quite instinctive, <laughs> isn't it? It's it's easy. There's no no you don't have to focus too much you just have to relax and be Mm. and it's just it's just giving us that pause almost you know it's that pause from you know social media that pause from all those life challenges that 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 we're in the middle of you know and 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 almost helps us to reset a little bit you know and it, it, it can be the shift from actually getting on with somebody to having an argument with somebody or you know, just and again, we're back to that sort of self-regulation. It really can help us with with that. Yeah, I think based on this, everybody should have a pet or two. <laughs> and also, what about schools? Because they're all from pets. Well, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, again, I, 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 this is something I'm quite passionate about because obviously, I, I think it's an excellent idea. It's a great idea. You know, people are not fortunate enough to maybe have a pet at home and I understand that because you know they're quite a big responsibility um but I think my my concern is always about the animals needs being met the, the pets needs being met or the, the, the classroom pet being um needs being met because you know I mean I'm guessing you know to have I, I guess it depends how big your classroom is but <laughs> you know potentially have quite a sizable group of maybe quite high energy children in a room all day that you know that 
that could be quite a lot for, for the animal. So I, you know, I'm not saying I'm against it, but I think it's really important just to make sure the environment where the animal is and and maybe how much contact that animal does get with, with the children is, is well managed, just to make sure that both the animal's needs are met and the, you know, and, and obviously the children's needs are met. Um, you know, it's a bit like I remember as a child, or I'm a little bit the same as my little boy. We've got a cat who my little boy loves dearly. And um, you know, sometimes I have to say to him, just 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 pop her down and let her have a break, you know, let her get some quiet time, you know, you, you know, sometimes just hugging and holding on to this animal all the time. It's great for my child, but maybe not quite so great for my for, for the cat. You know, so it's just getting that balance, isn't it, about, you know, we all want our cuddles, but sometimes it's also nice to have that downtime and, and that rest time. So I think it's it's about that balance for me, really. I don't know. I think there's I think there's also something to think about again, it just it just gives bubbling through my mind as Jennifer was talking I think one of the things that's really powerful about our own pets or the interaction with mm. our own pets is the intimacy mm. yeah? it's just that moment you know when you're when you're at home with a dog or your cat or wherever it is you're usually in for want of better description a safe place yeah it's a place where you can feel comfortable to let your guard down mm. not every child is going to feel comfortable to mm. let his guard mm. down in 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 in, in, in the classroom or in front of their parents. and 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 so suddenly it just becomes an act of passing an animal to, between somebody's hands to another hands and i i think it's I, I i don't quite know how to explain it but i i think it's about the interaction with the, the animal has to be meaningful what the young people learn is to care for another being yeah and that's again is really powerful because it's getting them, it's stepping them outside of their own challenges, mm. outside of their own issues. And maybe it's less about the handling. So maybe yeah. we don't need to handle yeah. the animal so much in that space. It's more about the the, the caregiving and the um, uh, the meeting of the animals, like husbandry, basic needs. Mm. You know, I, th I think it's worth thinking about. I think we need to handle. Yeah. But does the animal need to be handled? Okay. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's what the needs are. Who's whose needs are we meeting? Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, so I have a last question, potentially last question. So if you could go back in time and tell knowing what you know now and tell your younger self, say a 14 year fourteen year old self, one piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? Could be regarding animals, doesn't have to be. Um, no, I'm useless. Let me. What have you got to say, bro? Okay. <laughs> um, there's two things. <laughs> a, learn to emotionally regulate. Learn, learn to manage my emotions, and maybe that's maybe what I really mean by that is manage my temper. Um, but the other thing that I did want to say is. Trust my intuition. Mm, big thing. Mm. Not taught that. Nowhere are we taught that. No, and I would reflect. I can. I can reflect back on more years than I care to mention, and know where my intuition has given me some incredible insight. And I, some can't. So in some cases, I've. In some cases, I've gone with it. In some cases, I've ignored it. Okay. 
So yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can probably echo that. Actually, I think the self-regulation is really important. I think um, I, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because my, my husband's quite low energy, and I'm actually very high energy. And actually, he's brought a lot of self-regulation almost into my life because you know, in the evenings I'd be like, "Oh, let's just paint this room," you know, and he's like, "No." <laughs> And so, you know, he he's definitely helped me to lower my energy. And um, it's quite interesting. We, we always joke about this, David Graham, that um, nearly all my animals are high energy. I've just brought I've I just brought another horse recently, and uh, she's again very high energy. And <laughs> so my animals teach me I have to lower my energy to get them to be you know, calmer and more, more, more focused and less panicky about things. Um, so, yeah, so I think self-regulation, I've, I've definitely learned a lot over my lifetime and the animals, particularly the horses, have really taught me that. Um, intuition, actually, I think I've always had a really good sense of intuition. Um, it's, I, I guess we're all guilty of the head overpowering the intuition, isn't it? It's that, particularly because I'm a, yeah, I, in my day job, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a lawyer, so it's all about managing risk and it's all about, um, you know, thinking in your head and problem solving in your head. So, so I guess it's always going to be an element of intuition and, you know, what, what, what is my head telling me mm. to balance that out? Um, and trusting the process. I had one. Yeah, for me or for you. Actually, I, I, I realised there was one thing that I learned, and it was in when I started on my journey in equine facilitated learning and coaching and all of those things. Um, and in various bits of training that I did, one phrase, one sentence came up, and it was, everybody's actions come from a place of positive intention. Oh, yes. Nobody deliberately sets out to mess you up or to... Yeah, and so it, it, nothing, no, no one sentence changed how I interact. Um, no, no one sentence has changed how I interact with people more than that sentence because I always then suddenly found myself going, so why are they doing that? Rather than reacting yeah. to it. And, and I think, yeah, exactly. And I think to add to that, I think what I've realised over the years is that it, it's often just about what's going on for them. It has absolutely nothing to do with us. You know, if you take the example of you driving to the supermarket and somebody just beeps at you because, I don't know, you've looked the wrong, wrong way or, you know, or they're just in a rush. It's it, it's about what's going on for them. It's their fear. It's about their need to, to get to where they need to be quicker because they're running late. So so I think for me, you know, I've I've really, as I've been doing this work with the horses and and um yeah, mainly with the with the horses. Um, I've I've really started to realise it's not necessarily just about what is going on for us. It's actually what's going on for the other people, and then they react in in a way that is um, uh, that, that is known to them. You know, it's about what is going on for them. It it could just be they've had a bad morning, and you're just in that space. Mm. 
Um, so I think it is. I think definitely the work that we do with with the animals and the you know the assisted learning space that that really helps us to start recognizing um, these things, which almost helps us to self regulate better because you know we know that it's not necessarily about something we've done. It could just be we've done something in 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 the space that connects with what's going on for them at that moment in time. Um, I, I was just conscious of have we we haven't maybe really explained what equine facilitated learning is. I don't know if that would be really helpful, Esther, um, for your for your listeners. Um, what that yeah, is, I don't know. Do you know Graham can do it much I more succinctly than myself. That's so, equine. All. Equine facilitated, let's let's just say equine facilitated interactions and what that means can be learning as in sort of coaching type sort of things, personal development sort of things, but it can also mean direct, direct therapy and therapeutic interventions and healing interventions. What that means is that we basically create a space, we create a space where there are horses alongside, or there are humans alongside horses. Sometimes they're just together and sharing that space sometimes they may be undertaking some sort of activity together but what the what that set that interaction is all about is an experiential insight for the person who is or the human being in that space such that the human being gets a to in a comfortable way find out something about themselves or learn something about themselves but then more importantly get in one way or another to model difference or model change and and if we are going to change and if we are going to learn or if we are going to move forward out of problems we have to know that it's safe to do so and and that space that we get with horses um, allows us to model that change safely mm. and see immediate feedback the feedback's so quick isn't it mm. Yeah, and, and yeah, and I mean that doesn't necessarily have to be with horses. We have alpacas here on site. Um, you know, you do get a lot of people doing what they rather than uh, equine facilitated learning or assisted learning. They call it animal assisted mm. learning. So it doesn't necessarily have to be with horses. It can be with with other animals as well. Which is why I think this this the work that you're doing here, Esther, is really important because you know it shows. Um, it shows the value and even just having your own animal at home or, or working with animals in, you know, in the school space. I think, you know, it just shows how it can be transferred from, you know, the learning that we get, whether it be working with horses or whether it just be the learning or, or, or the self-regulation that we've talked about that we get from from just owning and, and caring for an animal. Mm. Mm. So our time is drawing to an end, but I've absolutely loved our conversation. So thank you. And thank you. Uh, I appreciate great. your time and your conversation. So bye yeah, guys. Thank you for listening. Oh. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> bye.